Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. On the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices for leading teams, for driving and executing strategy, and other best practices as it relates to leadership and team development. And our goal here on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and executable tips that you can use right away to support the growth of your organization or your business. So if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on YouTube for other bonus content on strategy and leadership, or, and you can join in on the conversation on Facebook in the strategy and leadership community. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Melissa Truth, who is the VP of People and Culture at Planful. Melissa, how are you today? Great. Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. I'm really excited. I'm stoked to chat. I'm glad to uh, hear everything is okay so far in the Bay Area, but I'd love to uh, focus for now more on on your company, about you, and uh, so maybe we can get starting. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now, and we can go from there. Perfect. Uh, so I'm the SVP of People and Culture at Planful. I'm responsible for the entire employee life cycle. So the teams that fall under me are recruiting, learning and development, HR, and then people and culture as well. Um, I've been at Planful for nearly a year now. So it's been a very enjoyable ride. We're, we're doing so many great things. And especially in today's times, no day is ever the same. Absolutely. So what are the biggest challenges that you face in your SVP job on a day-to-day basis? I think, you know, when you're part of a company that's going through such rapid growth, it's really being able to unify your team, leadership, the culture, and making sure that you are staying true to the company values and mission as you're experiencing all these rapid changes. And then coupled with, you know, this great pandemic that we're all going through every day, I think I can speak for so many HR leaders, there's something new that you're learning. You have to be very agile and adaptable and, and always making sure that you're, you're thinking with a people-first strategy as well, especially in these times. What have you done specifically to help, you know, help keep that alignment, help keep your team managed and, and you know, go through that process of, of staying aligned or realigning through these changes? Yeah, I've been really proud of our team, actually. I think that we adapted to remote work quicker than what we had expected. I think our management team have really leaned in and and focused a lot on engagement and employee wellness. For us, we were really conscious of the fact that people are dealing with these these situations very differently, whether you have three kids at home or you're alone and your family are out of state. So our CEO has been you know, making personal calls to people. We've really focused on engagement over Slack, so team challenges, team trivia, and then we launched something called Wellness Wednesday. So every Wednesday we'd be sending out tips on mental health, physical health, and then also you know, partnered with a company like Talkspace so that our employees have an additional outcome to go in and chat to professionals outside of work while still feeling supported by the company that they work with. Internally, how did you sort of decide that that was, you know, both a, a priority, but something of importance? Is it underlying within your culture? Or is it something that came up through the discussions of how do we manage this COVID? And how do we manage our teams? You know, yeah, where did these this employee wellness sort of focus come from? 
probably a little bit of both, to be honest. I think our culture, through our rebranding of the company, we just came off a great company kickoff in January. I think our culture was really evolving, but we have a very passionate CEO who really does believe in investing in the whole self, both mentally, physically, in order for someone to be productive in the workplace. So, you know, he was the one challenging the leadership team to how do we really invest in our employees and rally around them in these times as well. So I, I think our leadership team has to have played a huge part in making sure that we keep, keep our team aligned. So yeah, part of that is driving from the, the CEO, like the cultures and values and, and things that they want. And then part of that, of sure, is, you know, the execution piece led by you and your team and all the individual components. And then how much of that was, I want to call it like employee generated, like how much of that sort of needs came from the bottom, obviously, where I would assert being in the Bay Area and being a tech company that, you know, people are very vocal about what they want out of their life. But yeah, how did you feel that engagement bottom up uh, contributed to the success of these projects? Yeah, it's interesting being in the Bay Area, you're always hearing about a roommate's company who did this and another company who did that. So I, I think our employees, they, they've always been quite vocal in a positive way of saying, you know, I have this idea, I think we should be doing that. We do engagement surveys, we do really believe in, in having an open door policy with our HR and people team as well. So a lot of the feedback we got, we were able to action in real time. We've also started launching pulse surveys, so we can really get real time insight on a bi weekly basis into how our team is feeling. So Shifting gears a little bit, obviously you've been in, and obviously for me, because I've seen your LinkedIn, you've been involved in a lot of different organizations, a lot of different, you know, stages. How have you found the progression as an HR leader from different companies? Like, so how has that sort of path gone for you? If there's somebody on our, as a listener, who's trying to learn how to do that better. And then also how, what are some of the differences and similarities that you've seen with other organizations? Yeah, I think that the progression has been quite interesting. I think the HR landscape has changed dramatically in the last 15 years. I think if you think historically on how people and companies viewed an HR department in the past, it was, you know, the team who processed payroll, wrote you up, you didn't want to have a conversation with those people. And now over time, I think companies have really progressed to see that this is a strategic business partner for you. This people and culture team can really help you not only attract the best type of people for your company, but really retain them as well. And so I've been really fortunate that in every company I've been in, their people strategy has continued to evolve. They've really believed in investing in their people first in order for their company to achieve their goals. And so really really making sure that you are viewed as that strategic business partner and that you can really contribute to the company's success, I think is really important uh, for someone in, a, in an HR and people role. And then if we look at, again, the culmination of years of experience in your background, all of those different companies being in organizations that set that up, would you say that, you know, without being cliche, but would you say that there's a couple common threads that you've said, hey, you know, this has really made a big difference in our alignment, in our performance, you know, a couple sort of, yeah, what are the underlying threads? And even better would be, you know, what are two or three things you're like, when I implemented this, mm -hmm. it made a huge difference. When we put this in place, it instantly had an ROI for us that our listeners could, you know, put in place right away. 
Yeah, I think for us, we we always anchor back to our company values. It's something that we revamped in the in the last couple of months. It's something that I've done in previous companies before. But when you can really show your employee base why you're making decisions, what you're anchoring back to, it's really simple to create that alignment. You know, we rolled out this new product offering and it really ties to the value of our customers and our progress. Or, you know, we want to invest in our team's wellness and that ties back to our, our customer and our team value. And so always being able to anchor back on something has always been really helpful. And then if you think of the different motivations for why an employee stays at a company, making sure that they can see themselves growing in their career, that there's opportunities for them to grow, and that there's a learning and development path. So for me, my framework is always, how can we anchor back to who we are and what we believe in? And then how can an employee envision themselves in this company, not just for the next 12 months, but for the next 12 years? And how do we help them grow along the way as well? Yeah, so making sure that there's a, there's a process in place for the methodology around people development, referring back to that, but then also making sure that the employees know what that path and, and system is. So not keeping it private to yourself, but putting it into the hands of, of your people. Right. And I think that and the final thing probably is also automation, right? If you think about a people department, we we are there to support and service the employees very much like a company would be there to support and service their customers. So you also need to make it very easy for employees to engage with you, to find the information that they want, to feel safe and comfortable with bringing their ideas to the table as well. And so I think automating your department, making it accessible is really key as well. Taking in a slightly different direction, you know, obviously with COVID, there's been a lot of challenges, right? There's changes to the way we do work, changes to how we communicate. You weren't able to just walk into somebody's office. You, you know, have to rely more heavily on, on communication, like non-verbal communication, emails and things like that. As an HR, so we can answer this specifically or broadly, but in HR, how do you manage communication conflicts? How do you manage when people aren't answering emails and saying, hey, you know, like this is my priority versus like, I get that you're working on your stuff, but I'm working on my stuff. And, you know, how do you manage that conflict? And what have you found that's helpful? Yeah, you know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation, right? I think, and again, depending on the management group that you have, the experience of that management group as well, I think the answer really differs. I would say my, my philosophy has always been practicing radical candor. It's something that I absolutely love. And when I walk into a company and want to do management training, that's really the first thing that I signal is let's make sure that we're using radical candor within our workplace so that people know how to receive and give feedback and receive and give praise as well. And then I think in terms of priorities and you know knowing that everyone is busy what has worked really well for us is implementing OKRs and really having that as the organizing principle again anchoring back to our company values but also our company objectives for the year and making sure that what every team is working on it really doesn't align to that and so when you have those tough conversations of this is a higher priority for me or I'm more busy than you bringing it back to, again, what is the company goal and our mission and what are we aiming to achieve? We found that OKRs has been really helpful at streamlining that for us. Cool. So one of the things we talked about earlier was having company values like explicit. And then you had mentioned recently going through a revaluing process. Have you ever experienced when somebody has company values and then you say, well, we should really revisit our values. And then they say, 
no, 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 we got them. We're good. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm pointing to, you know what I'm talking about. So what do you do when you have, again, you might say that you have company values, but they're maybe not functional or not appropriate or, or people are not living them. Like what are some of the things you can do to start driving those conversations? And then the flip side of it is if you don't address it, what does misaligned, what I would call misaligned values, what is the impact on a company? And if you have any, we'll call them horror stories, but any experience with that, would love to hear it. Yeah, in so many companies have their values just on the wall or on a sticker, and then people don't remember what they are. They definitely don't live by them. And for me, you need to have every employee be able to immediately point to this is who we are. This is our value. If an employee cannot explain their values in under 30 seconds, it means that your values are too long or it doesn't resonate with them and it doesn't make sense. And then the other tip is that you really have to embed it in your each and every day life. You know, when you're recognizing someone, call out the value. When someone is doing something that is misaligned with the value, use that in your performance discussion as well. And then recognize it at a, at a greater level, at a team level. So we do quarterly values awards and we get people to recognize their peers and write why they believe they live by those values. When we shout someone out on Slack, we use the values icons to tag them. And so it's really embedding it in your the DNA of your culture so that people are thinking about it, speaking about it every day. Because if it's just on the wall and it's something that you mention, you know, your CKO once a year that this is our values champion, it really means nothing to anyone. Have you ever gone through, and I've seen the list of companies you work with, you work with great values-driven companies, and without naming anybody, have you ever been in one of those scenarios where you didn't have that optimal values and like, like the environment that it created? Have you ever had experience that? Yeah, so I, I did have an experience where we literally just had the values on the wall and no one remembered what they were. And the actions of employees, of managers, were completely contradictory to those values. So when someone would bring them up in passing, it felt very superficial. It didn't feel authentic at all. And what I noticed about that culture walking in, there was nothing anchoring it. There was no alignment at all. It was kind of everyone was just spending for themselves. And once we reestablished why values are important to us and started using it each and every day, suddenly, you know, it wasn't everyone fend for themselves mentality. It was that we were all in this together, really. How long did that take you? Many, many months. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it takes longer than what you'd like to correct some bad habits. Is there anything you'd like to share, like in terms of your best practices, in terms of things that, you know, you find that can be a really quick win, whether that be from an individual leadership standpoint, maybe that's how you're coaching people, maybe it's how you're leading from above. Mm -hmm. Or leading from below, anything that you want to really like share in terms of your best practices and nuggets of information you've picked up along the way? Yeah, I know. I know it may sound a little cheesy, right? But really being authentic to who you are and not trying to change someone and make them be who they aren't. If something is going to be real and authentic to you, your employees and those people that you manage, it really does resonate true. So for us, when our CEO talks about mental health, it rings true to the employees because it's something that he talks about each and every day. It's something that we're investing in for our team. And I think that we live sometimes in society where often companies are just jumping on the bandwagon of things that seem to be right to be posting about, but in two or three months time, they're not talking about that anymore. And so making sure that everything that you're doing for your people strategy 
is scalable because it's authentic and it's really what you believe in the core of who you are and who your leadership team is. Don't try and manufacture your culture or manufacture what you think your company should be doing because it's not going to be sustainable. Speaking of jumping on the bandwagon, um, <laughs> what is your biggest challenge right now as an HR leader? You know, what, what are the things that not keep you up at night? Well, like if you're being really real, radical candor, what's your biggest challenge right now in the, in the HR department? I promise I won't send this to anybody in your team. Yeah, I think uh, distributed workforces, right? So for us at, at Planful, we have employees in North America, the UK and Canada. But the majority of our product and engineering team is in Hyderabad in India. And people are adjusting to remote work in very different ways. And we've been very lucky that, like I said in the beginning, we were able to do it quite quickly. For me, the thing that keeps me up at night is how sustainable is this long term? And at what stage do your employees really miss that water cooler interaction in the office? And, and how do we keep fostering that remotely? And then I think every HR person is looking for this magic answer of when does normal return and what does normal look like and how can you do that in the safest way for your employee base? Please feel free to decline this question. <laughs> As it relates to, I mean, SF is a very expensive place to work and mm -hmm. live and you have a distributed workforce, which is great. Have you discussed, you know, the the potential of, you know, following the, the Twitters of saying, hey, everybody can work remote and like we're drawing the line in the sand. Have you discussed the implications again without giving any way any secret data? Um, I, I don't know if you have offices because I have clients that have physical offices and they're asking themselves, do I move my business model fully online to embrace this? Or to your point, are we going to miss that water cooler chat and that value that our employees offer? And that is both a value to our employees, but a value to our customers. Where do we make those strategic decisions as the clock sort of ticks through this COVID challenge? We have bi-weekly town halls, and I kid you not, this question comes up every week. So <laughs> everyone's thinking the same thing as you. It really has made us reevaluate where we want our offices to be located. And for us, we, we don't have the right answer yet. It really is dependent on the types of teams that we want to grow and the new markets that we're going to grow into as well. So for right now, we've given all employees the option to work from home for the rest of the year. And we've said to them, as we start evaluating what our future looks like as it relates to office locations, we really want to get the input from employees because we have working parents who cannot wait to escape their house and come back to an office. And then we have some people who've said, you know what, I'm so much more productive just being able to focus heads down. So I think for us, it's an evolving conversation that we don't have the right answer to right now. But it sounds like as a practice and what helps you, because you don't seem nervous about it. It could just be your confidence, but you don't seem <laughs> nervous about it. But it also sounds like and I would bet is it because you've put enough systems in place that it's not a, in the back of your mind, wondering, worrying it's on the front of your mind. We're being proactive in dealing with it, discussing it with our employees. So you're not like missing any gaps with your stakeholders or anybody else. And therefore you're like, we're on it. We're on it. We just haven't made a decision around it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think for us, we, we want to have that proactive approach. We feel good with the team that we have and our systems that we do too, where there's no need for micromanagement. You know, our managers practice radical candor and ownership. We have our OKR framework. It's very easy for us to see what people are doing, keep them aligned, making sure that we're tracking to our goals. So it's really not get everyone in because we're seeing productivity drop. It's really what is best for our employees. And then when we think about our horizon two and horizon three, what is the company we want to be in four or five years time? And then 
how does that map down to everything else in the organization as well? Yeah. And it sounds like even with the change in market and, you know, uh, just the disruption, call it, you know, it seems like you're both able to manage those short term changes. And maybe if I had talked to you three months ago, we'd be having a different conversation. (laughs) Uh, But you've been able to manage those short term changes in the near term horizon while also not losing sight of that that five year vision, three year vision of where you really want to go and have that like guiding where you want to go. Exactly, right? And I think for our employees too, you the analogy you think about is is COVID is like an ambush. Like everyone is just trying to huddle together, get through this, but eventually we are going to get through it. And how do you still keep your employees aligned to, you know, what the future growth of the company looks like and still get them ex- excited for that while being really mindful that, you know, the next couple of months are probably still going to be stressful for a lot of people as well. Just as we end up here, any other words of wisdom, anything that you want to share to, um, you know, both the seasoned leaders out there and the new leaders as it relates to, you know, managing this change, driving uh, people and, and really creating a culture that will support the organization's growth and success? Yeah. Um, my final thing is actually something uh, that one of my coaches recommended to me is just take time for yourself in this too. I think when you take a step back, you, you realize 2020 is going to be the year that people write so many crisis books on. And as a, as a leader and a manager, there's a lot that you carry on your shoulders. And in order for you to be effective with your team, I think also recognizing that, you know, you need a break and maybe you need a day off just to decompress and reassess and make sure that you're, you've checked in with yourself and that you're still managing through this as well before expecting that of your team. Well, we'll just see what the history books have to say about us. It seems like, oh, they were totally right. They were totally wrong. There's only one way to look at it, right? Exactly. That's awesome. Uh, Melissa, where can people uh, learn more about you and your company and, uh, and what you guys are up to? Yes, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn and then uh, planful.com. It's got everything that we do, all about our leadership team and um, also a little bit about our culture as well. That's fantastic. Melissa, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for your uh, insightful and uh, full of candor conversation today. Great. Thanks so much, Anthony. You're very welcome. My guest today has been Melissa Druth, who is the SVP of People and Culture at Planful. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with somebody who's trying to create a great culture in their organization and then uh, rate us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Show. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us and until next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you're in the process of renewing your strategic plan and you're looking for a framework to align your team and to create a clear vision, clear goals, and a clear roadmap on how to get there, be sure to check out our signature course that will walk you through the process that we've used to create hundreds of strategic plans successfully for organizations all over the world. You'll get instant access to all the videos and documents right away. And so whether you're planning a strategy session in three months, three weeks, or three days, you'll be able to get the most out of your meeting and have everyone be on the same page and bought into your plan. It's the exact same framework that we've used for our clients and we've packaged it in a way that you can use it easily yourself. So visit smestrategy.net slash course and you can use the code podcast for $100 off. That's smestrategy.net slash course and use the code podcast for $100 off and you'll get instant access to all of the tools to help you create your strategic plan successfully and have everybody moving forward on the same page. 
Once again, this is Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you real soon.